Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Bleeding on the Page. The story you're about to listen to is The Crep King, written by Samuel Jones and Max Bardsley, starring Ollie McCauley, Jenilee Luamba, Samuel Jones and Max Bardsley. We'll be performing this text in its entirety, and then we'll have the talky bits. Thank you. Darkness. Listen, baby. A bowling alley. Day. Neil, a young man in his twenties, is on one knee, holding a ring box with a silver ring inside. Behind him there are various bowling lanes with people bowling. In the lane behind Neil there is a man, Joel, bowling. He holds a bowling ball up to his face, concentrates, and then bowls. We've been dating for two years now. Joel's bowling ball rolls down the lane. And I think it's safe to say... You're my soulmate. Joel licks his lips. I love you more than the ocean and all the sea creatures combined. Joel scratches his butthole. When we make love, I worry about nothing. Katie, a blonde teenager with pigtails, stands behind a desk spraying an aerosol into bowling shoes. She does this while texting and blowing a pink bubblegum bubble. Your pomegranate lips send me straight to cloud nine. Tyrone, a skinny man with tattoos and no teeth, sits in front of a fruit machine his face illuminated by the bright lights. I was wondering if you'd like to go on another adventure with me. Joel's bowling ball gets closer to the pins. Katie's bubble expands. The fruit machine lights flash, showing jackpot in big letters. The ring in the box glints. Will you marry me? Sophie gives a small smile. The ball slams into the pins, making a strike. The bubble pops. Pound coins crash down from the fruit machine. Sophie, a young woman in her 20s, wearing a floral top, stands in front of Neil. Behind them, Joel celebrates his strike. I do. Fuck yeah! Fuck your pins! Ah! <sighs> Sophie and Neil sit on the curb outside the bowling alley. They both have red slush puppies and are both still wearing bowling shoes. I want to marry you, Neil, but... <laughs> you need my father's permission to have my hand in marriage. Will you ask him? I'd do anything for you, baby. Neil and Sophie now approach a huge towering medieval castle. They stare up at it. They are still holding the slush puppies and wearing bowling shoes. This is where he lives. Sophie and Neil walk through the castle entrance. Crepling one and crippling two, bold men in their thirties wearing leather open and close the doors. They arrive at the foot of a staircase. I'm going to powder my nose. You get acquainted with my father. She walks up the staircase and Neil walks down the long, empty stone corridor. Through the corridor is the throne room, where a mysterious, manly figure, King, leans against a fireplace with his back to Neil. He has a crown on his head and is draped in a long velvet cape. There's a gold-plated crepe above the fireplace. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Um, it's, it's an honour to finally meet you. <laughs> It's a lovely home, or a castle you have here. 
D- d- do you like living in a in a castle? <coughs> Sophie's told me uh, so much about you, but uh, she hasn't even told me your name. I, I, I don't even know what to call you. You may call me. King turns around, revealing he has a crep for a face. The crep king. Oh! Neil stumbles back, almost falling, but is saved by the king, who brings him inches away from his face. It seems like our young hero Neil has fallen onto his knees at the very first hurdle, but. Don't Yet, Neil, we've only just begun. So you want my daughter's hand in marriage, eh? What? The princess's hand in marriage. You want it? But how badly do you want it? Because you're not getting it for free. I, I want it more than a crab wants shelter in a cold winter night. Look at all this. Do you think I got all this for free? No, sorry. I don't do freebies. Do you think I got this cape for free? Feel my cape. Do you like it? Yes, it's very nice. I'll have the tailor's son make one for you. For free. Crepling 3 and Crepling 4 hastily leave the throne room. Look, um, the reason I'm here, Mr. Thompson... Crep King! Crep King, is because I love your daughter more than anything. More than pirates love gold. More than all the grains of sand on the beach. More than great white sharks love seals. More than clownfish love sea anemone. Crepling 3 and Crepling 4 put a red velvet cape on Neil. More than... Where did you get that cape? It doesn't matter where I got the cape! Let me marry Sophie. I admire your fortitude, Neil, but it's not going to be that easy. If you truly want the princess's hand in marriage, you must prove yourself by completing a task. A task? Yes, a task, but not any task. A task that will ripple through the ages and will be of such grand proportions that it can only be whispered under the shadows of full moon nights by blind wise men who do not see the world but feel it and speak only to trees. gestures behind him, revealing a portable hob and a table filled with various pancake ingredients. A crepe? Yes, a crepe. But not just any crepe. The perfect crepe. Not too hard, not too soft, just right. Not too square, not too round, nice and white. Not too squidgy, not too crunchy, a lovely sight. Not too thick, not too thin. Is that alright? Yeah, that's fine. Then begin! King rings a pancake-shaped gong. stands over the portable hob, battered and bruised, bleeding and crying. He meekly constructs yet another pancake. The king, who has been doing a strange crab dance, approaches the hob and brings the crepe up to his face. 
This will suffice! Oh, really? So I have your permission? Yes! If you do one more task... Another task? Yes, another task! My final task! You must eat the crap that lies upon my face! What? Fucking kill me! End my pathetic existence! Is, is this a test? The only thing I'm testing is whether you have the balls to kill an old frail man! No, I'm not a murderer. You'll never be good enough for her unless you rip open my face with your mouth and kill me! No, I can't! Take my place! Eat me! It's your destiny! I, I, I won't! What are you, a king destined to marry my daughter or a sad little man in his cubicle waiting for his life to tick by? Neil goes berserk, taking a huge bite of the king's face. King falls to the floor. Neil continues to bite and chew the king's face. The creplings look perversely ethereal. The feminine body of Sophie enters the throne room. She is wearing a white wedding dress. Neil finishes devouring the king. He looks manic and feral. His lower mouth is covered with blood and pieces of pancake. You have completed my father's task. Now I'll be your bride. The Kreplings applaud. Neil turns around. Sophie's face has been replaced with a crepe. Neil yells and rushes out the castle. Neil's running through a vibrant forest. There are several clusters of Krepling families scattered throughout the forest. They stare at Neil joyously. They stand by teepees with small fires nearby. Neil runs through the Krepling village. He collapses next to a river. Seeing his face in the water, Neil realises he too now has a crepe for a face. Neil wakes up in his small, unimpressive room, sweaty and in a panic state. He tries to calm down. The room is silent, except for Sophie, who lies next to Neil with her back to him. Sophie's body is turned away, her face hidden. There seems to be the outline of a crepe on her face. Baby, baby, baby. Neil grabs her shoulder, turning her to face him. She is normal. What do you want? Sorry, I, I just had a bad dream. Go back to sleep. Actually, I'm, I'm just going to get some water. Neil gets out of bed and walks towards the bedroom door. He stops before leaving. Baby? Mm. Are we, uh, are we seeing your, your dad tomorrow? No, Neil. That's next week. Oh, okay. Neil walks through to the kitchen. He takes a glass and fills it with tap water. He sits at the kitchen table and slowly sips the water. He puts the glass down. It is now daytime. Neil is in the same place, still in his pajamas. He now has stubble and greasy unwashed hair. The glass is empty. Sophie walks into the kitchen. She holds a coffee and is wearing a sleek bourgeois dress. You ready to go? Neil gazes upwards like a lost puppy. They are now outside a house during daytime. Neil is sweating and seems anxious. Sophie presses the doorbell and holds it, which buzzes obnoxiously. Neil wears a creased, ugly shirt. The door is unlocked. It creaks slowly open. Behind the door is Mr. Thompson, a stocky man in his 50s who worked on the roofs when he was younger. Daddy, how are you? Hello, gorgeous. It's so lovely to see you. You all right, Neil? Neil sits in Mr. Thompson's middle-class living room. Sophie sits next to him, who chats happily with Mr. Thompson, who sits on a nearby armchair. Neil stares at his mug of piping hot tea, the steam flowing upwards. Neil looks up. She's only 22. Oh, really? Yeah, the best boss I've ever had. Mm. She's definitely going places. She's so good at what she does. That's really great. How's work going for you, Neil? Neil looks down at his mug. It is now filled with pancake batter, which fries in the mug. <laughs> Dad, there was something that Neil actually wanted to ask you. Neil gives a small smile and looks back down at his mug. The mug is overflowing with pancake mixture, and his hands are covered in cuts and blood, similar to his dream. Neil has fear in his eyes. What is it, Neil? Actually, uh, Mr. Tom Thompson, I wanted to ask you is, can I, um, 
Would it be alright if I... Can I use your bathroom, please? Water pours violently out of the bathroom tap. Neil washes his hands. He's got no ambition, sweetheart. He's not like you. You're a go-getter. You need someone who will push you further, not keep you down. Look, there are two kinds of people. Radiators and drainers. And you need a radiator, darling. I know he's not perfect, but I love him and that's it. Well, he's been acting very strange, Sophie. He's not been himself this week. He's had a bad dream. Soon we will defeat the waffles in battle. The promised pancake prince will return and restore balance to the crap kingdom. Neil's pupils dilate. He is in sheer horror. The syrup soldiers will rise from the sands of time and lay waste to the butter buccaneers. Neil's eyes stares out through the gap of the bathroom door. And Neil is the key to all this. Granny's chest infection is gone now. Had to get up a dehumidifier to get rid of them. Neil bursts into the living room, interrupting Mr. Thompson. What do you want from me? Mr. Thompson and Sophie look at each other in uncomfortable silence. Uh, um, I, uh, I, ha- I have to go. Neil walks out of the living room, closing the door behind him. He now finds himself in an office. Neil leans against the closed door, exhaling deeply. He seems much more dishevelled, with big black shadows under his eyes. He wears a pathetic polo shirt and name badge. A man is sat at a desk, Mike. He is wearing the same uniform. He is a thin, older, balding man, eating a cheap supermarket salad with a discount sticker. He eats with a plastic fork. Behind Mike is a big computer screen, split into six squares, showing the live footage of the retail shop floor. Thanks for coming during your lunch break, Neil. Do you want to have a sit down? Um, how's it going? Oh, you know, not bad. How have you been though, Neil? Oh yeah, I've been fine though, thanks. Alright, okay. So as you know, five months ago we gave you your first disciplinary warning. And since then... Five months? Are, Are you sure? Well actually, your performance started to decrease about six months ago. But your first official warning was January. It's now June. Oh, okay, sorry. See, this is what we've been talking about. Your key performance indicators aren't looking good. You're not interacting with customers like you used to. In fact, a lot of the time, you seem to be avoiding people. You've taken a lot of lates, as well as a lot of sick days. Neil's attention moves onto the computer monitors behind Mike. The bottom left square shows the shop floor. The Crep King is doing the same dance from the dream. Neil looks very tense and pale, with a bead of sweat running down his forehead. Your average transactional value has drastically gone down, and you've made no multi-sales. Now, you could say that's because our conversion and footfall aren't what they used to be. However... The small left bottom screen is now completely in view. The Crep King is dancing manically. There's a static. King is inches away from the camera, smiling. Neil reels back in fear. Neil? Neil? You've been staring at the screen for three minutes. Do you need me to call A and D? Oh, no. Uh, Sorry, Mike. I was just daydreaming. Okay then. Well, after taking everything I've just said into consideration, the the final red flag for us was um. <laughs> well, Neil, last week, these letters started being put around the shop floor. Now, originally, we suspected it might be a, a customer pulling us a, a strange uh, <clears throat> sort of prank. However. After checking the CCTV footage, we could in fact confirm that it was actually uh, you, Neil. Given the graphic nature of these uh, letters, it it really was the final straw. What? What letters? Well, um... Mike bends round and opens a folder. He takes out some paper. These are are from today. Mike hands Neil five sheets of paper. Neil shuffles through them. Each sheet of paper depicts horrific crayon drawings of death, destruction and pancakes, with vague scrawled writings about crepes and murder. This this really doesn't represent company values, and when you place these letters around the shop floor, it doesn't create a welcoming atmosphere for customers. In fact, I would go so far as to say it does the opposite. As many people, Neil, would find these images disturbing. Due to this, and your falling stats, we're going to have to let you go. Let you go.
Neil falls back. He falls back into his bed. The room is dark, with the curtains drawn. Neil moves his duvet up to his neck. His eyes are staring out. A gentle hand moves in and touches Neil's shoulder. Neil? 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 Oh, oh, darling. Oh, I was just having, I was just having another nightmare. I'm just here to get my stuff. What? What, what are you talking about? Neil, do we really need to do this again? What, what do you mean? Do what again? I just don't want to have this conversation. Please don't leave me. I, I need you. I, f I fucking love you, Sophie. <laughs> Look, I, I know I was hesitant at first, but I, I, I do want to marry you. You're my soulmate. I, I know I've been acting differently, but I can work through this. I just need your help. Please, Sophie, I, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. Neil, we split up months ago, after you lost your job. It, it's fine. Uh, uh, I, I, can, I can just get another job. We, we, we can work this out. You had that dream a year ago. What? Listen, Sophie, I, I can get better. I, I know I can get better. I, I'm on the brink, I swear. Just, just give me another chance. I'm seeing someone else. Who is he? It's not a he, it's a woman. <laughs> it's my boss. <laughs> See, right now you're frightening me. You're not getting any better, you're getting worse. I've, I've told you this so many times and you're impossible to talk to. Right now, it's four in the afternoon and you're in bed, whispering to yourself. You need help. Everyone's worried about you. Stop talking to me. I don't want to hear you. You're lying to me. This is all a fucked up joke. I'm sick and tired of this. I want it to end. I, I need your help. You, you can't leave me. Neil storms out the bedroom and sits down at the kitchen table, shaking, lost and panicked. Sophie goes over to him, kneeling to be at eye level. She takes his arms to stop him from shaking. Neil, please calm down. You're gonna be okay. Come on, take some deep breaths. You'll be all right. Please, please. I, I, ju I just need to know that, that you love me. Neil, I don't love you. Sophie lets go of Neil's arms. She walks away. Neil stares vacantly into the distance. The front door slams. Darkness. Back to the kitchen, except Neil is no longer there. The kitchen is now a horrific mess, with disturbing drawings covering the walls, unwashed dishes, used frying pans on the counters, table and floor, a blender filled with red liquid, discarded crepes on the floors, eggs, flour and milk cover the whole kitchen. A pan is on the hob, Black smoke coming from it, a burnt sludge in the pan. We move through the kitchen, up the stairs. The carpet is stained with flower footprints and broken eggshells. As we move up the stairs, we get closer to the bathroom. We see the back of Neil. His hair is greasy, long and unkept. His nails are dirty and long. The bathroom is filthy. Neil is looking into the mirror. He is very pale. His eyes are yellow and bloodshot. Neil raises a crepe towards his face slowly, breathing heavily. The crepe has eyes and mouth holes ripped open. He places it on his face. He looks at himself in the mirror, heavily breathing, rasping. This is who I am. The end. Hey. Hey. Welcome everyone to Bleeding on the Page. Uh, that was a very long opening, but uh, it needed to be done in one chunk. With me as always, obviously, is Max Bardsley. How are you doing, Max? Hiya, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. You know, it doesn't always, you know, it's not always necessarily obviously, you know. Oh yeah, you might not someone, be there. Someone, I might not be here. I someone could, someone could be coming in for the first time as well and be like, obviously, I don't know who the hell this guy is. You know? Oh, well, you know, yeah. that, that makes them go, oh, this guy's part of the furniture. That's what this <laughs> person's thinking. <laughs> well, also, maybe I don't want you to take me for granted like that, though. Also, here is Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, very good. Is <laughs> anyone else here? Is anyone else here? 
only dorks who we don't <laughs> even uh, recognise. Ollie McGawley, are you here? I- I'm always here too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah after good. that. Lovely. Yeah. How do you feel like that went? I think it went really, really well. <laughs> Just saying. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, introduction people, to Crip King. Yeah, people who probably listen to us uh, often or have listened to the previous episodes would probably have grafted that this one may have felt a little bit different. Um, might not have been the same type of experience as we usually give. Uh, Seems a bit, you know, amateur compared to what else we've, we've given uh, in the past. Well, I don't know quite about feels that. Feels a bit, you know, feels like it was written by, you know, young boys. Yeah. Inexperienced young boys. <laughs> this was the first proper script I think me and Sam uh, wrote. This in a way was almost our precursor to what Bleeding on the Page was and us first finding our style. Yeah, we and wrote be- it three years ago, three but years I mean, we ago. started writing it four years ago. Yeah, and this was intended to be like a film script. And so we wanted to kind of pick it apart and see the ways that we've changed or the things we do differently from one script to another. So we've tried to keep it relatively the same. We've adapted it a little bit because, I mean, Max and Sam, when they were like, what, 17, were just idiots. I was 19. <laughs> oh, you, you were 19. 17. Yeah, well, I've got more of an excuse. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> What's your excuse for this mess? No, I mean, no, no. Basically, the way I see it is like all the best parts of this were 19 year old me. Yeah, yeah. And then all the (laughs) awful bits. But you were 17, so it's okay. Yes. (laughs) Everything that lets it down came from me. Yeah, absolutely. No, but it's uh, it's interesting to give it another visit because it's been a while since we picked it up. We'd like, we've left this in the, uh, once we finished it, we've pretty much left it in a, in a drawer for years. So we, we, when we look at when we came back and revisited it, revisited it, we were quite surprised that it made, managed to make us laugh a bit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, And it's really great to hear it performed with actors. For the first time, actually, yeah, because that was when I was. I mean, when I was sitting for a read through, I was like, "Wow, this sounds like pretty good." You know, it sounds like a script. It, yeah. it was legible. It was entertaining. Because it took us a year to write this, which yeah. is insane <laughs> yeah. compared to what. We're but considering doing. what we do now in a week, but, I mean, which well, is what we do this in a week now, as opposed to yes, taking it. Yeah, Ollie. I mean, did you feel like it was? particularly different to the other scripts you've been reading uh, the past couple of months is it, I think it's definitely it, there is like a difference there's like a sort of obviously 17 year old Max lacks certain amounts of maturity when it comes to the writing process I certain think. amounts of just uh, any kind of knowledge sort of <laughs> any <laughs> kind of talent or good that's right. qualities I guess um, no, it hasn't yeah. changed much no because it definitely it kind of it exists within the kind of same realm as what you guys do <laughs> which is kind of things it like starts off and you're like oh okay this is kind of a bit normal and then it does go just off, just completely <laughs> off the rails, and like just oh, it goes a bit mad. So it's kind of that's definitely kind of something that you can see throughout the other things that you guys have done as well. Yeah. What about, yeah. You, what about you, Jen? Because I mean, you've listened to our other yeah. podcast episodes and stuff. Do you think in what ways do you find that this distinguishes itself from like the other stuff that we've produced? Yeah, I think so. Like, well, the other ones are more abstract, and like this one goes a lot more real at the end especially (laughs) usually you're like out there and that's it but like it like you guys like drain it back in it's like oh it's a personal connection this time around it's like oh okay even though you've got this whole thing about a crep king (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of the things i like about the crep king one of the things i like about this script is that we don't really shy away from going into a really disturbing realm and i think i think we as people have our comfort realm is in like really absurd things and I think we kind of compensate for our own insecurities we're like oh like we don't have almost enough faith in ourselves as sort of being able to write really compelling like grounded dialogue so yeah, like, we've got to let's make, it make silly, up for yeah. it by making it really really absurd and really yeah. out there um, wow uh, yeah. <laughs> that's really that's quite deep actually that's really nice yeah, this that. is the thing because I think back then we were more more comfortable because it was just we were just writing it for ourselves. We were writing it we? for ourselves. So it's yeah. okay. This guy's having an argument with his girlfriend, and that doesn't, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Whereas if we wrote a scene like that now, we'd be like, oh. Yeah. No, no this is going. This we'd is be so really paranoid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And um, I think I think actually that's the thing that I like about it. The one thing that I think it does quite nicely or in an interesting way because we always when we had it in the in the drawer because the big thing with this script is it's almost two stories that happen in the same uh, the the same story basically did you find it quite jarring when you were reading it when he wakes up that bit where it becomes quite suddenly becomes quite real when you guys read that for the first time did you find was that Mm, quite a surprise not particularly well because I kind of Obviously, I'm approaching all of these as, as, a, <laughs> as a sound designer, so I'm always thinking about that kind of stuff. And I always, I just kind of assume, like, 
this is one of the things is like yeah. I think we had it in our mind for a while that that, that transition two separate stories yeah, and actually, that, they're much yeah. more intertwined than we gave it credit for and I think we we actually always thought that that transition was a little bit awkward mm. and we won't know until we listen back to this yeah. but actually performing it that transition was one of the things that I think's done quite well yeah, yeah, in a way yeah. and like uh, feels like it works and it makes and it does make it interesting mm. you go from really like strange absurdism to actually quite morbid like grounded mm. psychological trauma Cause, stuff because like Neil Sophie and Mr. Thompson all feel like characters we sort of know well, because of that. Because game. this is one of the big things is like this is the script where I'm like I know exactly like how, who which characters were built off of what people we actually were in contact with uh, for a, for these because uh, like Mike we can go into this it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah because yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike like Mike for instance uh, that the, whole scene the where boss, the, boss, the boss yeah the yeah. whole scene where he gets fired from his job is uh, like we pretty much lifted what my job was my part time job at the time because I worked in Maplins like for like for ages I, I did it through college it was a cushy like part time yeah, job yeah a Maplin boy I was a Maplin boy now out of business so we can bad mouth yeah. Maplin Ma- fuck we Maplin fuck Maplin yeah. Yeah. overpriced <laughs> oh little tidbits who needs them they're only good if you've like lost something in the moment and you can't wait to order it offline yeah. that was the market that's what killed film. it that is what killed it you're like no you don't want this you want the next level yeah yeah the that's what you have to do it's like this cable's good <laughs> what you really want to do is upgrade to the fiber optic metal uh, metal casing this cable gold casing. much more durable it's got gold in the wires and it costs about 50 quid <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you can get the same cable for like 20 quid off amazon but uh, Mike, we even gave him the same name as well because yeah, yeah. I had a boss called called Mike, who was this little. Uh, he was a nice enough guy, but he was a he was a, like this. We he was a weird. He's such a weird example of authority because he was actually quite a sort of quiet, insular, insecure man. Always did things by the books. And he's like this bald, kind of hook nosed man with wore glasses. Never really did a lot in the shop. Never really got mucky with the boys. He always just stood at the entrance and welcomed customers in, and then would give you shit if you weren't doing your job. <laughs> and it's he was like, Hello. You couldn't really get pissed off at him. <laughs> yeah, because we we wrote we wrote that scene differently, and then we we're like, mm. oh, let's make it. He's being fired during his lunch break. Yeah, which yeah. Makes it even more tragic. More tragic. And the fact that the boss, I just like I we and the, when we reread the script, and one of the things we were like, oh, that boss scene is full filled with like jargon sales <laughs> jargon, which is it's it's quite accurate sales jargon <laughs> um, for the time. But uh, we thought it was a bit tedious. But then when you came in, you, you actually brought the mic energy, yeah. which way I couldn't quite hear. You've as got like, what so we call mic energy. energy. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really <laughs> Almost naturally, it. you're a bit like Mike. That's why um, I like you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Is that why we, we, we you know, get on? The day, I, the day I knew I had to leave that shop, actually, was uh, when he, he sat down with me and he's like, yeah, you know, this job, it does take a toll on you. you know, I've, been, <laughs> I've been in the industry like 20 years now. I've been shop floor manager for five. And, you know, you're standing. Because you stand up for so long doing that. You have to walk around serving people. He's like, I've been standing so much. You know, I've got horrible varicose veins <laughs> on my legs. And I was like, oh, my I God. It's more like an emotional. No, no, it wasn't. It does no. take a toll on you. This <laughs> if you sell enough charges to old women, it just gets to you. It fucks you up. It fucks you up. Uh, no, he, yeah, he was just talking about these physical problems he got on his legs from standing so much <laughs> that and the fact that I, I knew I couldn't connect with him because we went he, we went for a Chinese restaurant for, once he went yeah I'm not really a Chinese person per, personally I'm much more of a sh- fish and chips man <laughs> 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 that is and then yeah with, with Jen because you're you're I think you're too good of an actor for this. Yeah, we felt bad. We felt bad bringing <laughs> in Jen, no, no, no. but she's very close to us, so we but, thought we could give her the the smaller roles, and you know, she'll, we'll we'll see her up again. Until that last scene you have with Max, mm. your character is very like hi bye yeah. hi bye, like very like kind of. Yeah. But then what I realised is like how much you put into that last scene, and it sort of sort of like made it made it definitely worth getting in someone who was sort of too good yeah. because you, it's a, it's a, that's you like a guys that last stop yeah. it, last <laughs> it, does, yeah. it did need a good, a good acting but, but also we, all writing's bad the actors have to make it sound good so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll only um, be as good as your actors so yeah we, we came up with Crep King on Valentine's Day yeah. Max, where we woke up in bed together. Yeah, so this was at a time when. Uh, which when is I, not, you know, we weren't fooling around or anything. No, no. Well, we're, the, we're not gay. Was, <laughs> <laughs> well, we I, might be. I, I thought like gay porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> strike that. Delete. Delete. Uh, delete. That delete. delete. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because when I moved to London at first, I didn't. I wasn't even living with Sam, but I was like, I've got nowhere to stay. Can I just live with you? 
for like no this wasn't even was then. it not then was, was i just down on holiday on. Oh, we so, just yeah. decided to spend valentine's together because we were both single yeah and we were like we don't need women and that's partly why my girlfriend didn't take me we, back do we at the time <laughs> because i didn't see her on valentine's day she was really upset because well i we broke up and we were like maybe we'll get back together but i didn't see her on valentine's day she met someone else yeah, on that day that's right and she was with him for six months yeah, sam was in a long well long term a long a long sort of relationship tour miles because this of this day but was it because of this because day? she met him on the valentine's day wow. but plus side is got a script got exactly. out of it got art out of it got yeah we're gonna make like so, four quid off of it yeah, <laughs> so yeah didn't much. we get a caricature of that day yeah no so what yeah we did get so, a caricature but we lost it yeah no so, i've got a picture of it oh, yeah, still but, we, um, we, but we, i'll upload it onto our twitter if yeah, people want to see it because that's from the day but we we woke up and we we had stuff for pancakes and ready and i just went make me a crap we were just doing that all day yeah. and then I put the crepe on my head yeah. and cut out the eye, eye holes. holes and mouth hole and went make me a crap and our, our housemate Finch had his girlfriend over for yeah. Valentine's Day <laughs> and we were planning on going to Chinatown because there's a Chinatown festival on that day mm-hmm. and then he was like what are you guys doing and we're like we're going to Chinatown I was like oh can me and my girlfriend come <laughs> yeah like, yeah alright <laughs> so we were like spent Valentine's Day with these other people and we're, the whole yeah, time we were just screaming about crap. We were <laughs> our whole time <laughs> bus journey. Script. We came up with the script beginning to end on in a day on Valentine's Day together where we like we made crepes and we made candied bacon as well. We made <laughs> syrupy bacon. Um, and then we, we were just riding all around uh, Chinatown just talking about crepes all the time <laughs> and like doing val- and doing ironic Valentine's shit like getting a caricature done of ourselves with a little heart in it and stuff <laughs> it was good it was a good time yeah bro Valentine day oh bro can't recommend cool. it enough no, yeah, it's it definitely the best Valentine's I've ever had <laughs> uh, no, no, but I, you know it was, it was a good time um, and um, yeah because at the time I think you can see that one of the things that we've always been into anyway, but we always just wanted to, want to do it is boosh, which yeah. is exactly what that opened. I think we wanted to do something that was bushy, but also not just do, like we didn't want to look like we were just ripping off boosh. Well, so we had to recontextualize yeah, it. I, mean, I don't even think we put that much thought process into it. I think we were just like, oh, he's the king. I, I do. I, I remember one like specifically yeah. thinking. I think we were talking about boosh. that's how it would look. Yeah. I think when we just came out of it, it was just funny, but it's quite, it's. It's got it's a bit pythony at points because it's kind of like the whole make me bring me a shrubbery make me yeah, a shrubbery and also wanting your daughter's hand and permit for permission for your daughter's hand in marriage seems like a weird setup that python would use they, they did yeah they have done that yeah, twice yeah. See, actually there yeah. you go that's yeah. pure Brilliant. python yeah. <laughs> so, plagiarism that's what we've done <laughs> that's what writing in is terms of, um, yeah. yeah in terms of how the script is actually written um a big part of it is Obviously, when you write a script, you're not supposed to put any sort of camera angles in there. You're not supposed mm. to mention anything technical. Um, so a lot of the wording is quite odd, like the yeah. feminine body of Sophie, yeah. and because that's yeah. supposed to be you see the back of Sophie. Yeah. Mm. But I didn't want to. We we don't write like oh Sophie's body here, but you can't see her face. Yeah, because we were, we were always working with this script more than because all the other scripts we've made were like this is for audio first. If we want to yeah. change it, we can. This script obviously was written with the intention of it being a visual thing. There were loads of sound and visual sound cues. We had to cut all the sound cues out because obviously you're you're doing it. Things go well. So you'll be adding the sounds in that we were written in. Yeah. I didn't even get a credit at the start. Well, you're (laughs) acting. Everyone knows you do sound. Thanks, thanks, guys. It's all right. We'll put it in now, though. Credit to Ollie McCauley. Follow him on Instagram. Why not? What I'm going to do now, like in posts, is I'm going to add like a little jingle for myself right now. Hang on. Very good. Yeah, I bet I won't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie McAuley, just add that on me. Yes. Uh, Ollie McAuley sound design. So uh, we have some emails to read out. Mm. People have been sending in emails to us. So the first one is from James Fraser. Uh, and he says, hey, I'm a big fan of your channel. I used to Thanks, love- Thanks Fraser, James Fraser. <laughs> I used to love Black Mirror, but series four and five have been such a massive letdown. Honestly, Jack Ash, fuck it, whatever it was called. The fucking Miley Cyrus one is some of the worst TV I've ever seen and on par with Doctor Who resolution to be one of the worst things to come out in 2019 so far. Just emailing to see what your opinion on the new series was and what your least favorite thing of a TV series is. Also, bring back Rooster, no Rooster, no Ranch. JK, I fucking hate that show. Thank Christ it has been canceled. Looking forward to hearing from you. Hell yeah. So let's put that out into, you guys have seen the latest season of Black Mirror, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
What were your thoughts on the last season? Oh. <sighs> there were like a couple that I quite liked. No, weirdly. Smithereens. I yeah, think I, yeah, I liked Smithereens, really but like, I remember yeah. I, was tra- I was chatting to my flatmate about it and he was like, yeah, but it doesn't go anywhere. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I like <laughs> yeah. about it. I, I think Smithereens of... is the only one I haven't actually watched, to be honest. I, thought, I swear Wasn't we it? watched Smithereens. Well, have we watched it? Yeah. What happened there? It's, the one it's with... Andrew Scott. Yeah. It's the one with... And he's in the car and he gives... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like that one. Yeah. Yeah. There was one called Striking Vipers as well that I thought was really weird. I quite liked it. I don't know why. Me and Max that. What about you? I, I didn't like it. I just thought it didn't go anywhere. I was like, Smithereens yeah. or striking. No, stri- striking. Vibes. I just thought I Ant- just Anthony Mackie just like it was. I thought his performance was quite good. In there. I quite liked it. <laughs> me, and, <laughs> me and Max watched um, Striking Vipers. Oh, we had a couple of drinks. We had some beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. We were chilling out, having some drinks together. And we we're like, oh, like, this was the new down. season. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. best mates yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. And you looked at each other. That's what's striking us. And we did keep on going. Would we do that? Like, <laughs> would we do that? Um, based off, no, of we were going like, this is the worst thing to watch with your best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I watched it with a girl that my brother was seeing, and like it was really weird. I was just sitting there like, what? Just you and her. Yeah. My brother was at work, so he was seeing this girl. So you just kind of Put, the, put your arm on her shoulder. Classic Ollie like, move. Classic Ollie Black Mirror. Ollie keeps on dating his no brother's girlfriend. It's so weird. <laughs> Bro, if he listens to this, he's going to get well angry. <laughs> it's no, true, though. But it was, I really liked yeah. Striking So that's what I, 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 I think. I think. I thought that was my favourite one. That was the episode which, like, actually was, I, I, gave, I gave it credit because it did give me that, like, real cringe, awkward uncomfortableness because I was like, oh, this is so, like, and, you know, it was such a direct attack on my own masculinity in a way. I, I, it really impacted me like that and I did find it very funny as well yeah. and I was just like yeah but I mean I think you're all right the I, the ending I mean the ending did just make me really uncomfortable as well she ends up cucking it? her boyfriend more whilst he cucks her with her best friend and I'm like oh god that is so like <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah I mean I, I, I like it because Black Mirror really should be at its core concept of each episode what if yeah. <laughs> what if phones were you know and the concept of you know that was the only episode in this new season that had that really good what, what if yeah. concept I can't like yeah. imagining like Charlie Brooker sitting in like a dark room <laughs> and he's like he has like like a really long thing hanging down and then when he has, he just turns it on it's a light bulb above his head and then he says what if VR games and it's just like it just makes me laugh like, the idea what of him just v- sitting there like sweaty um, just really thinking and then, about it and then yeah you know I think the last season wasn't great either but yeah. it had that really good dating one um the one on the one with the Smith title. Yeah, yeah. With the dating. Hang the DJ. Hang the DJ. Yeah, that one was. I that thought was that was good. one of my favorite uh, you know, episodes ever. For me as well, I do. I, I I know a lot of people like griefed it, but I did enjoy uh, Black Museum just based on the fact that I really liked the Doctor's story, yeah. where he's uh, absorbing the pain and stuff, and I loved the physical transformation that he goes through. That was I thought genuinely disturbing as well. It gets a bit goofy as it goes on, but that story on its own I thought was like spectacular and made it uh, really valuable but talking about the newest season because Striking Vipers was I did enjoy but the Miley Cyrus one um, is like god awful it's so, uh, so it really bad. was what trash what happens in it because I haven't seen it oh, so oh, what so happens lucky. in it so there's like so Miley Cyrus is a pop she's Hannah Montana again right <laughs> yeah. she's like a pop star and she's like I don't know she's like doesn't want to be a pop I don't know yeah, she's she like wants no, she's to like, write sad music I want to make sad music is what she wants to do she's like Avril Lavigne I guess yeah. why she does kind she want to like, make sad music because she's because sad her, bro that's her heart man sure, so she has to be a pop star and she's like I have to do all these happy songs yeah. but yeah. actually I'm sad and she's like people want anthems stop writing Nine Inch Nail covers yeah. which is what the songs are she does Nine Inch Nail covers which is kind of neat but then Miley Cyrus doing them through a pop veneer is like not as good anyway. So. And then it gets like odder because she's got all this merch and one of them is like a robot. <laughs> it's like her. Well, it's like her. Yeah, it's like her. It's like her personality in this like weird. Robot, like, robot. Is it but like, like, it's, li- it li- it's restricted. So it's like, hi, do you want to dance with me? And it's like that. Is it but a it's a mini- miniature mini- version of Miley Cyrus. It's like a cheapy like miniature version. It looks, it looks of like her. something you might find yeah. in, like, you know, um, you seen Wally? Yeah. It's kind of like Eva in Wally. Yeah, it's oh. like cutesy. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she can kind of talk to people, but she's like limited. She's like AI that can talk and communicate, but she's not great. She's like, follow your dreams. And All she's right, quite. So what's her second act? Then then she gets put. Then because she wants to make sad music, her aunt, who's her manager, like puts her in like a coma 
okay. Uh, puts her in a coma. Puts her brain inside the box. That, no, 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 they no, put, no, that, that does end up happening. That does end up oh, happening. Yeah, you do call that. Oh, but basically, <laughs> she puts her in a coma and then starts using her brain and like vocal tracks to min- make, make digit music make music out of coma. Out yeah. of coma. So digitally, she's like yeah. using all her features to make the music. So she's in a coma and she's making music. Yeah. So she's lying down and you're hearing like beep beep. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're taking her vocal track and organizing it so it makes songs. How they, yeah, this guy oh, has this so it's technology. just a bot. So it's just AI generated music. Yeah. Sort of, but they're pla- they're putting it. Yeah, it is. They're, 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 they're just deliberately she, that, put into it, a coma. It's dumber because they're like, we can reach into her head and find the unwritten songs and we can oh, put them out there and use her voice like to well, simulate this is like the the thing, subconscious. Yeah, yeah. All, all while this is happening, there's a girl who, who has one of these it, robot yeah. things. Yeah. And she has like a grungy sister or something. Yeah, like grungy their mom, their mom is like is like dead. Or, I yeah. don't know. What it is. And then the sister is like, and the Playing sister the is like there, and she like plays. She's like yeah. she like wears dark clothes and plays bass. And yeah, she's yeah. like, Oh, brilliant. Well and done. the other girl's like socially removed and, and wants to be a pop star. Like somehow, Miley Cyrus. somehow, when that when Miley Cyrus is in a coma. Her brain does get put into just that one box. No, it's or not. Something. It's not. Her brain is in all of them, but they the girls find a way to unlock the rest of her brain mm. so that oh, she. I didn't even. So really, the, wow. ro- the robot effectively becomes her. She's like, oh my god, I'm in this coma. Is she all the robots or just that? Just that how, one. Because they, 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 they put her through a computer. I'm like, oh my god, the rest of her brain's in here. We're gonna unlock it. <laughs> how do like, they out put her like bot in it. a computer in the first place? Uh, yeah, good question. I can't remember. Because so, she's. I think it's something to do with. Oh, broken. Yeah. So they yeah. put it in a machine and they go her whole brains it. in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and like then, she's in a but, coma, so it's more and then it becomes why is her brain in the bot? Do they not? Yeah, because brain? they program it and then they restrict it so oh. that the bot has like a Because she, she's like, in a coma, so she's not like active at the moment. It like transfers through like the, the I get it, I get yeah. it. The, basically, the internet. basically once that happens and all that's set up and they're making music, they go on a quest with this cute robot to save Miley Cyrus from the coma. You've gotta save me, I'm in a coma. And then and then they save her. The girl, little girl, save the day. And then, and then Miley Cyrus plays a concert, but she's a rock, rock and roll musician, oh, and everyone's cheering, and she skydives. And then uh, the little girls who used to like her old mu- music leave. Go, this sucks. This isn't any good. And it was like, you're so rock and roll. And yeah. Like, and then the grungy sister of the main girl is like, I like her now. Yeah, she oh. plays with her. She, she plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That sounds about. disgusting. <laughs> it's uh, it's it is it's um. It's so it's so, like kind of about getting rid of pop as a genre because it's a bad genre. No, it no, I don't like even. She doesn't think, want to do I it. Or she gets. Free. I think it's just like a little jab at the music industry. And oh, be like, oh, music industry doesn't let you express but yourself properly. I have a crush on Miley Cyrus, so I might enjoy it for that basis. Oh, <laughs> she, in that, she's not even attractive. She's not <laughs> even attractive. <laughs> she looks like Miley Cyrus. Like, I didn't even want to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was disgusting. Like I just puked at her. Like, she looked like she had a flat. Face. <laughs> but, um, but speaking of axe, uh, I think it's a great transition. Um, <laughs> axe body spray so, has a new flavor. So the Crep King, King doesn't have free axe, free axe, but it sort of does. Mm. So it starts off with a guy proposing to his girlfriend, but the second act is he has to get his father's permission. And the then third the act. third act is when he kills him. Sophie's got the pancake on the face. I wanted this thing. Now I don't have it. And he runs and he's got he's got crap on his face so that's that free act gets fully completed yeah but then he wakes up and the whole dream was just the first act which is now he's now in the second act mm. in the real world mm. so in a way it's got five acts oh, in a six way. acts how have you you've broken it which you've is how we've become it. so good <laughs> by, by by being but so it, complicated it was really yeah it was really hard for me, because I'm so like strong on the act thing, yeah. that I that I think that's why maybe we were so like these are two separate things. Yeah. Because I was so focused on like acts, and, like and... rather than just being like oh it flows. Yeah, and, like, and, it, just and actually it does it does end up flowing. It's, it it goes about the place. I think it does have a uh, have a flow. If you if we you know if we were to redo this script from the ground up, what is it that you'd like to change about it? Do you think so? So my big my big problem with the script, which I haven't actually told you yet, yeah. is it's not fully clear how horrified he is by this dream. Yeah. In terms of how, you know, he doesn't have any way to talk about it or to express mm. how the dream has gotten to him. 
um, because we're trying to make it all a joke. So it's got to be really funny. But we sort of lose the element of humor and also the power of it because we're just like, why is this guy so freaked out about the dream? Yeah. Like, it's not it's clear never enough why, think, it's, yeah, it's, why it's, it's ruining his all, life. All the bits are there a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of all there, but it's never explored deeply enough. So it doesn't necessarily come off like then, did you guys feel like he was it, it made sense how fucked up he was in the script like did that follow on why the dream why the dream would trauma traumatize him like why do you think he got so traumatized from the dream the like subsequent like him seeing like pancake batter in his tea and stuff you, yeah it's got ptsd yeah, yeah. But, you know. but jen why would you think like he what do you he, think the real reason is that yeah. he's so messed what's up the, what's dream? the inner workings yeah. of that I like really and truly like now you're mentioning it I like understand what you mean by like um that you don't feel like he's like you don't feel like the character's like gone oh shit like no why has this dream fucked me up so much yeah. um I, I don't really know what the inner workings of it is <laughs> I'm just like yeah. he there, there's obviously some like trauma behind it that he's like but not obviously not <laughs> according to crepes but like just like something about like I don't know being like abandoned or like because I think I think the biggest thing is like the dream is ultimately about Sophie and his relationship with Sophie and actually we never really get a moment with Sophie until the end properly exactly. we never really get to interact with her as a person yeah. until the end um, and you know I think maybe that could have been sh I do quite like the one thing one of the things the other end of that playing devil's advocate is I do like the insularity that he well, he adopts I remember after when that. we were writing it we, we, we thought it was quite interesting that he doesn't really actually have much with Sophie yeah. which shows that his desire to marry her is quite fickle and yeah. his desire to be with her is actually quite I fickle think isn't like, I, I, what I get from it a lot is his, his issues with like authority and control mm. so like whenever there's someone he has to ask for something his like, fear his, of it his more, like boss yeah. fires him and he like has to ask the thing and I think like it could be possible to explore the fact that like Sophie's obviously more successful than it's, he is it's about you know older men and the father old, figures yeah. isn't it right? yeah which is, which is how you can know that Sam and me wrote it <laughs> uh, which is almost Classic. like well, secret though but uh, the other thing is as well that we have a very distinct transformation for Neil where we have him going from wistful whimsical in his dream to insular scared to I'm, I'm a crep man the the other issue I think is actually like the nature of the way people communicate with Neil uh, except for with Sophie doesn't seem to change like Mike is so professional but he's not really responded to the fact that he's showing that yeah. actually he's acting so messed up and weird is i don't think we ever contextualize the absurdity of like his kind of trauma and how weird he's behaving we didn't coincide that with sort of how people how respond the world to it. reacts and i think we want to sort of it's basically like the first bit's boosh and the last bit is like edgar wright kind of mm. like kind of realism kind of world yeah where everything's very like still but like the characters themselves kind of ignore him which is like you know, it's kind of a Kafka thing where mm. like he's something weird's happening to him, but no one really cares about him, really. So yeah. like, no one notices. Yeah, um, or gives yeah. him the time. And I think, and I think that that lack of kind of interacting with him differently also removes uh, that sense. Because one of the things is we have like huge time drums. Once you get into reality, the thing that we wanted is a sense of disorientation, where you don't know how much time has passed from one scene to the next. And I think that is not communicated quite as effectively as it could be because the characters aren't be aren't sort of evolving with him in a way in that yeah, time frame. That's true. Yeah. So you kind of get you kind of get it. You you. Get get the established relationship and that's what you ride with till the end yeah um, yeah it so. would have been good to see like a difference in sophie and I, there is sort of and i, th there, and I think yeah. you could justify it. and i think there's a justification but if we had if we you could justify it, oh they don't care about him they're distant from, from him but as we were writing it that wasn't intended necessarily mm. it's something you could argue is communicated but actually if you wrote it with that intention it could then be more I, clear i think if we were to rewrite it i'd say like pretty much everything after he wakes up needs to be like changed yeah and it would have to be Oh, you've been given the mark of the crep. To get mm. rid of the crep, he will torture you every night. Mm. You know, you've got to do something to get rid of the crep curse mm. or something that's a little bit more like, rather than just like this full mental breakdown. But it could be part of that breakdown. Yeah, but yeah. But it's still got that kind of vibe to it. You know, something like that maybe. Who knows? Yeah, no, who, who knows? Because I think, I think part of, yeah, I, I, I think part of it would be like, 
running that running with that breakdown but like actually exploring what he's actually really doing as opposed to just in these scenes and just having what people he's tell done. him what he's done you sort of get to see how mm, his brain and, works and sort of go in and, and actually expose that follow him in his action a little bit more because we get him in, in we're, we're actually catching him in moments of lucidity mm. we're not necessarily catching him in moments of actual pure disarrayness you get you see it a bit yeah yeah but you you're, he's always having those moments of sobriety when we're following him <clears throat> Yeah, well, time for another email. This is from uh, this is from uh, a geezer called Tom Alexander Prideau. <laughs> we think we're really sorry if we mispronounced. Hey guys, love your stuff. Just emailing in to ask for your opinions on Inside Number Nine and what your favorite episodes were. I also have a couple of recommendations uh, f- for you two. Uh, did he recommend us our own podcast? Yes. Did he think we don't do it? No, it's a joke. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't recommend our own podcast. Oh, yeah, he did thank us for the yeah. things. Should I, we, um, so the recommendations he gave us was a Peter Strickland film that came out last year called In Fabric that you can watch on Cures on Home Cinema. It's a satirical horror comedy. We haven't watched that yet, but if you guys want to we'll check it, it out. Yeah, we'll definitely check it out. Um, and then he recommended our podcast, which actually, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, is actually pretty good. <laughs> right, so you should listen to that. So inside number nine, uh, we, you've all, we've all watched Inside Number Nine. Mm. What would you say are your favourite episodes, Jen? Yeah, dude, um, what's the episode with the uh, when it's the car crash and she's like living her life? Oh, twelve days of Christmas. yeah, that one's so good. I'm not even joking. When I first saw that, I was like, like, dude. I, it was funny because I because I I showed that episode to Jen and her reaction when uh, the end happens and she lives her whole life. Jen's face, she was just like completely like taken away. She's like, Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't oh, stop she thinking about stop it. Talking. Like, yeah. like, she couldn't talk properly. She was still that, talking about it. That episode is like insanely good yeah. in terms of how it passes 12 different parts of someone's life in terms of yeah. those transition bits yeah. in between the individual scenes. It's like yeah. so well done. It is. And the performance as well oh. of all the actors. I mean, Inside Number Nine will, all, it always gives you amazing performances. Mm. I think almost certifiably you never have a bad one. Oh yeah, basically if you haven't seen Inside Number oh, Nine, yeah. they're like little plays. <laughs> yeah, they're like little so plays. Good. They're yeah. really yeah. great. I mean, it's it's kind of like, it's like, it's like, um, it is like Black Mirror, but more British yeah. in a way, even though Black Mirror has was British and has been this is even more grounded in its kind of Englishness and it's theatricality they like it the very play like amazing simple. they it's are so incredible every episode has got such a great mm. script oh it's so jealous Holly, what have you seen you've seen yeah my favourite uh, number nine is probably way back I think it's series one but it's the burglary oh, oh yeah that's my favorite. that will always be one of the best things I've ever seen on telly man. the burglary it's so episode because that's so almost like that because it's about two guy, two yeah, artists trying, trying to steal, steal a painting a from her that's almost like, because it almost plays out like complete physical comedy it's without brilliant. any dialogue. It it's genius. a great little farce. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. I don't. I didn't like it that much because I just really like the dialogue stuff yeah. inside mm-hmm. number nine. But I, I, I think it, what it sets out to do, it fully achieves it. Yeah. It, like, it, it tries to be this fun visual comedy mm-hmm. like farce, and that's what it. I'm a big fan of like, non-verbal do. stuff as well. So yeah. like, it just like completely... their physical acting and that their physical comedy is very good. It's, What's it's your actually... favorite one, Max? I think we have the same one. Do we? I, I Zanzibar. Zanzibar is amazing. Zanzibar is like an incredible uh, example of right of just like creative writing what you can do with like language and what language can create because they write Zanzibar and it's basic it's basically a Shakespeare adaptation put to film but it's an original script but it feels like it's a Shakespeare script and um and it's a it's just this hot it's this classical like Shakespearean thing with twins and mixed up identity which is just so so classic conventions but they do it to just the upper echelons of mastery uh, so much good acting but it's so witty so funny they constantly because they're always ending sense constantly rhyming because it's yeah. like Shakespeare Gross, throwback yeah. iambic um, but like they're always ending on these really wry little jokes that are just really fun um, and I just and I also love the set design I think it looks gorgeous all the costumes and so it creates a, an entirely new world and it just gets me thinking like fuck people need to do that more we need to write do more do you want to cream over pros. this episode more do you want sorry to, do I'll you want stop to keep going? <laughs> what else you know the... The, it's just great I love it it makes me really happy it yeah, always no, puts a smile too. on my face I would have said it if you didn't but because you did my one's the one with the 
fucking shoe one. Oh yeah. <laughs> have you seen this one where he finds you a shoe? I haven't seen that one yet. So there's an episode where this guy he finds a shoe on the side of the road and he's like, Who would leave this? It's such a good quality shoe. Who would leave this? And he just gets really obsessed about the shoe and it's like his whole it's a bit similar to the Crep King actually. In places, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Like full circle. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously obsession is a theme which we like to talk about. Obsession is always yeah. a bit of people getting obsessed because it's 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 like one of the most interesting transformative and emotions. Similar to the Crep King, there's some trauma underneath why he's obsessed with a shoe. Except we did not deliver on what. That yeah, yeah, was we didn't deliver on the trauma. Well, so maybe back to the drawing board. But do let us know what you thought yeah. of the Crep King. Do you think we were too harsh on it? Do you think maybe it turned out better than we say? Do you think it's probably the best thing you've ever heard? Do you think it's the worst thing you've ever heard? Page? Let us know. Email in. Email in. Tweet at us. Tweet at us. Do all of yeah. those things. And I want to thank. Um, Ollie McCauley for sound design and for acting today. Thank you. Yeah. And, and generally Luamba, who was fantastic as well. Hey so officially oh, a great oh. job. Uh, follow them, either of them or both of them on Instagram if you want to follow what they're up to. Uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our second channel. Subscribe to our second channel. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. Leave a comment on the podcast. Share the podcast with your friend. Show the podcast to your dad. Give it a Ollie, review. Ollie showed the podcast to his dad. He really liked yeah. it. Maybe Shout your dad would like dad. it. Shout out to Ollie's dad. <laughs> Shout out to all our dads. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Thank you very much. See you next time. Um, I love you. Woo! Woo! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.